Mm-mm, milk. It's good for coffee, cereal, shakes, just an all-around good drink. And where does it come from? No! Well, yes, but also no! And if you're saying, what? What are you talking about, Adam? Well, you'll have to find out on today's Authentic Avenue. Oatly, a Swedish dairy substitute powerhouse that's been around for 25 years, but only in the U.S. for about three. Mike Messersmith has been their North American president during this ride, and together he and the brand have surfed the wave of different alternative beverages hitting the market. And today, I learn a slew of new terms. Oat milk, oat finder, oat girt. Yes, I said oat girt. So whether you're a frequent consumer or have no idea what I just said, I think you'll get a lot out of our conversation today with the brand that works hard to be the Oat Goat. So pour a glass with me and listen in as I get real with Oatly and Mike Messersmith. You know, over the last couple of years, I have heard so many things followed by the word milk, but the hottest product on the market in that category today is the subject of our conversation. I am here with Oatly and their president in North America, Mike Messersmith. Mike, thank you so much for joining me and, and helping me learn more about this. Yeah, my pleasure, Adam. Thanks for having me. First thing I got to ask is that, uh, well, how I preface this. I mean, and I have been through a ton of them. I've had, of course, regular milk as a child, but I've sure. tried pretty much every other type. Soy milk, almond milk. I'm sure there's a bunch of others I don't even know. Oat milk. That one's a little new for me. Just for people who aren't exactly uh, even sure of what it is, although they're going to be by the end of this episode. What? What, what is it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, those were, it was definitely a phrase that a couple years ago, even... You know, before I joined Oatly, I had never put those two words together in the same sentence before. Um, but you know, Oatly is a 25-plus-year-old Swedish company. Um, our founder is an academic food scientist that was looking at the intersection of nutrition and sustainability and climate change. And we created a technology to turn whole oat kernels uh, into a liquid food that we use to make all sorts of products, which are tasty and uh, you know, have good balanced macronutrient profiles. And most importantly for us, they're, they're uh, really efficient from an environmental standpoint. And so we've been making oat milk and oat drinks and yogurts and, uh, you know, frozen products in Europe for years. And, you know, so since 2017, we've been, we've been on that journey here in the United States. Um, and yeah, I mean, some people get really uh, tied up into the naming and the, the nomenclature for us. It's really pretty simple. I mean, we're trying to explain to people, uh, you know, in a way that they can understand and wrap their head around new ideas. So oat milk, like what's it made from? How do you use it? Pour it into your coffee, pour it into your cereal. Um, so try to keep it simple, but uh, it's a really uh, exciting concept. Well, it's, it sounds like an exciting time to be there. Now, as I'm looking and anybody can see from your LinkedIn, you've been there for uh, just over three years now. But you're telling me that Oatly's been around for 25 years. Yeah. I mean, and that's one of the you know more unique parts about even my journey here is, I mean, I'm not a founder. Um, you know, I'm not the, the scientist or didn't, didn't come up with the idea. And so this is, you know, this has been a, a we've had a thriving business um, in, in the Nordic countries and in Europe for, for years. We have an incredible team um, in Europe that has kind of cultivated the product and the brand and um, all of our innovation over the years. And so I was given the opportunity um, in early 2017 uh, to come in and have this platform of this incredibly compelling concept. But, 
you know, didn't really exist in the United States yet. You know, oat milk wasn't, was basically a rounding error in the category data. And you have to build all the parts. You have to build the business, you know, launch the brand, build a team. And so, um, you know, it's kind of a, it's an interesting situation to be a, you know, at this point, you know, close to three plus years startup within the context of a 25 plus year old Swedish company. But in many cases, that's been the journey where, and we do get, you know, certain advantages from having all that legacy knowledge and information and best practices the team has uh, built uh, in Europe. But we've all, we've had to build and apply those uh, over here to try to, to succeed and get people to, to discover the brand. Well, yeah, not to mention relative security. I mean, shoot, if you are coming in and now now you're starting to answer the question for me, it's like, why the heck have I not heard of this? Well, it wasn't here. And maybe part of the reason it has blown up in the last couple of years is because they brought you on. And while you're not a founder, it seems that you are part of the, the foundational team in, in the U.S. And to have that, that safety, not only of the knowledge and the skills that, of course, need to be translated over to work in the American market, but just saying, you know, hey, it's not all or nothing here. Like you have that broad base to work from, uh, not only knowledge wise, but financially. So that of course brings a little bit of comfort into it, but that is nothing to speak of what you all have seemingly done here. I mean, shoot, just earlier this year, reading that, you know, crossing the, the valuations into the billions, uh, is, is just, is just outrageous. And especially this year, I'm guessing has, has, uh, has accelerated a lot just based on the behaviors that people have, uh, and, and the focus on health and nutrition. Uh, let's start, let's start there um, with regard to sort of getting these like real opinions and conversations with people. And then I'll, I'll jump back to you for a second. What the heck is it about this crazy year that has just, it has just made your business go through the roof? Yeah. You know, I think like we've always been on a pretty, uh, you know, to our estimation, remarkable growth trajectory. And, you know, we've, we've at every step, uh, you know, we've kind of beat, our, you know, in, internal plans. And, you know, we've, we scrambled to make as much product in oat milk as we possibly can over the past couple of years. And I think this year, you know, we obviously, like so many companies, went into January and in Q1 with really big ambitions for what the year would be. And then, you know, got to the middle of March and we're, you know, facing so many different unexpected variables. So, you know, we have, we have factory employees and how are we going to keep them safe to keep the product flowing? You know, I had a number of, we're a New York City based team, and I had a number of folks within our organization that were actually quite ill and, and sick with, with coronavirus. Um, not to mention, then you get into, you know, well, what does this mean for a business where we started and have a big, big chunk of our sales in coffee shops and, and food service on premise locations? And yeah, we had great retail partners, but what would that even look like? That, that month of March, you know, where we entered into it, you know, getting ready to go to Expo West with, you know, 90,000 of our closest friends uh, for, you know, what had been kind of an annual natural foods pilgrimage, you know, we, we, in that month were, you know, had to really uh, figure things out. And I would say, you know, incredibly fortunately for us, you know, there's, we have incredible retail partners. Um, There's been a, a huge demand for those household staples that people have been social distancing and staying at home, working from home. Um, And, and we've also, you know, honestly even started to see, you know, really exciting rebound and growth back within those on-premise channels and our coffee shop partners, you know, where in July, um, we had our best month we've had in, in months there with, with coffee shops reopening and, and, and people getting back into their daily routines. And so, you know, it's been certainly a very upside down uh, year with so many challenges that were not anywhere on our radar in January. But through that, 
I think you have to use those opportunities to, to really push for not just, I mean, survival is the base case, but then once you get a handle on that, how do you use that as an opportunity for transformation, both for your business and, and for your organization? And so that's what we've been trying to focus on. And it's been going pretty well, but every, every day, every week, a new adventure um, here in 2020. Yeah, I'm guessing probably every hour, uh, just having something else go on. But uh, to know that yeah, you're uh, you've... being like 2020, right? I mean, I don't know. You miss a uh, anniversary milestone. We've had folks on our teams have to unfortunately move their weddings. Like, well, we're just going to get not. We'll we'll do it. We'll push anything you want to hold off to. We'll do it twice in 2021, and we'll we'll get back to it then. So right, exactly. Just shrug it off. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So. Let's talk for a second about then um, the, the plans that you've had have obviously worked uh, swimmingly well, but uh, so too uh, this year, have you also been able to close the gap in the physical distance, uh, perhaps virtually uh, through building up your own team? And, and as we yeah. talk about having uh, real conversations with real people, can you talk through with me for a second how, how personally uh, invested you've been in, in building up your team? Because I think it's impressive for, for a company of this size to have had your individual impact. But I, I just want you to talk about that yeah. maybe as a foundation for how you champion having real conversations with, with, with people? You know, I think it's one of the parts that when I talk to, you know, people that are running companies, like is the most resonant where I don't necessarily know their go to market or operational strategy or the nuances of their cost of goods. But I think that piece of how you scale your team and culture within a high growth organization is one of the pieces where I learned the most from listening to other folks that have been in the same situation, things they wish they had done, the things they did great, the things they did poorly. Um, and you know, I, I think we entered into this year and it was honestly one of the things that I was a little bit nervous about. I mean, we've been at this now for three and a half years. You know, we, you know, there were, we ended 2017 with 12 people, I think within the team. And right now we have 117. That's and, outrageous. Yeah. And we've continued to hire people. Uh, you know, I, we've now hired many, many people that I've never met in person. I never thought I would say that. I yeah, isn't that crazy? I, I, yeah. I mean, isn't that just a crazy phenomenon? Like I can't imagine, I mean, I can't imagine of course working separately from people, but like relying on people, like I, I, there has to be some sort of barrier of trust that you have to really be confident in because these people, it, I mean, like you've seen their faces, but you've never shook their hand. That's right. And, and, you know, we, when we were entering this year, you, know, you have the, there's, there's a natural, uh, you know, evolution that happens within team. Even when you hire great new people, there's, there's a tension that happens there. The people that were here early and the pride that they take in what they did, and they maybe had a broad, you know, there's like 10 people. So everybody does a little bit of everything, but then the company starts to grow and the needs of the business and to set things up for the future, you have to have more specialization. You start bringing in more, you know, different people with different perspectives, all that you try to do a great job of hiring the right mentality and background and skills, but that, that can create friction within an organization. And so we were sitting here in March and it was, I remember vividly, it was like the middle of March. It was on one of those days where I think all of those questions of, boy, I've got a lot of people that are sick. We're trying to figure out how I can make a safe operating environment for our manufacturing folks at our plant. And like, oh, by the way, like, what are we, what exactly does our forecast look like for our business plan this year? And I was sitting here in my living room because uh, we don't go to an office anymore. Because 2020, um, right? And, yeah. And, and, and I was like, boy, I really don't have solid answers for that. And, uh, and I, then it dawned on me that if I don't have solid answers and I'm nervous about it, I'm sure the people on our team that are living in the world, that are seeing the news, that are seeing how this affects them in a myriad of different ways, they must feel that times 10. And so the number one thing I can do is get in front of them 
And I think there's, it requires a lot as a leader to, even when you, cause I desperately want to have the answers. I want to tell, I'm a solver. I, you know, part of what's made me successful is the ability to like, you know, get in the mess and fix things. But there were questions that we had at the time that I wasn't really equipped to answer. And so you have to get in front and say, here's what I know. Here's what we don't know. Um, here's what we're working towards. And we just started having a daily get together as a team that sometimes people would have their video on. Sometimes they wouldn't. Um, but, you know, even as we were apart, we wanted to try to come together. And even if that meant that I, I didn't have the answers, and that's not really what in reality people expected from me, but the ability to talk about it um, and, and to say the things that are scary out loud, to talk about the things that we're working towards, that made people confident that we're going to be able to move forward through this. And that evolved from there of me just kind of, <laughs> it sounds a lot like me just standing in front of my entire team and telling them I don't have all the answers, which is true 99% of the time. But that evolved into, we started having conversations through our organization, people that have been here since the first two months that we've been in the U.S. to people that have been here, you know, weeks. So, you know, across functions from finance to commercial, to product development, communications. And I started talking to them about what is, you know, what's been their professional journey? Who are the key people in their lives? Like what motivates them? What is their job like? And we, we use these conversations to, I think, reinforce um, the, the culture and, and, and knit together the organization, even while being far apart and, you know, sitting at the ends of our dining room table um, in a way that we never expected. But that has been honestly one of the most impactful and humbling experiences I've ever had. And just, I always walk away feeling just incredibly fortunate to be a part of this team and so impressed with the people that we have and hearing their journey and their stories and their challenges and, you know, what their talents are, what, what they've been doing to pass through COVID. It's been honestly one of the more, um, you know, incredible things that honestly just came out of me trying to figure out what we do and how do I get people together and keep this moving. Right. And it's good to, uh, of course, have, to, from the leader's perspective, have that direction, although maybe take some time to figure out what it was and be willing to sit at the end of your table there and talk with everybody. But then also, like, I'm sure incredibly fortunate to know that the, these people who are coming in, sure, they're looking for opportunity and they're joining Oatly because it's a great mission and because they believe they can contribute. But what are they doing on the other side of the phone? They're sitting at their dining room table doing the exact same thing, trying to put everything together. And that creates a necessity for these types of connections and bonds. And, and sure, yeah, I'm sure that, uh, you know, people who maybe were there early were like, you know, okay, well, now we've got how many new people who are here who haven't even seen us and they, do they really know us? And yeah, of course, there's skepticism to go with that. And that's just something that we'll all have to weather. But in general, such a good way uh, forward in terms of your in terms of your direction, in terms of yeah. your um, leadership and guidance there. And just to be so personally, have your hand in it, I think I think is great. And you know what? It makes me wonder, how do you have your hand in, or, or do you have your hand in, or how does Oatly have its hand in? Uh, all these other people that uh, maybe aren't on your payroll, sitting at their dining room table, enjoying your product right now. I mean, these, these are real yeah. people who, especially right now, they're especially loud about everything. I mean, I, people post on social right now, I don't know about general volume, but when it comes to do this, do that, or I liked this, or I didn't like that. When people have scarce time and resources, personal recommendations are taken off right now. You got to make yep. sure you're there having real conversations and, and getting the skinny. How, how, how are you tapping into that? How are you trying to be present? Because similar to how maybe uh, old guard might be skeptical of new guard, so, so too are consumers skeptical of brand, period. doesn't matter who you are. 
and they should figure out how to, and, they, mean, and they should be. And I agree. How do you bridge it? I mean, it's hard. Yeah. I mean, I think there, there's, I mean, the primary part on that one is, and like, I think they should be skeptical. I mean, do people really need brands to do like no one, sits, you know, no consumer sits at home and stresses about what your brand plan is or your integrated marketing campaign. Oh, I didn't see the creative in the sequence that I thought I would like. Like I think about oat milk all the time, but like nobody right. else does. Uh, and and I've been, I've involved in people's lives for like a moment during their day when they're getting a latte at their local coffee shop or they're pouring uh you know oatly into their cereal bowl in the morning. Um, and I think that there's like uh, inherent hubris to, uh, that a lot of we have in, in marketing sometimes to think about the, the how central we are to consumers, but in reality, like they don't need us. And I think to that end. You know, what we've tried to do at Oatly is adopt a, you know, very, you know, radically human approach to consumer relations and, and community management where, you know, it is, we want everybody to get an answer from a person that's not signed, you know, by the company or whatever. It's, you know, by an individual person. And our team will go deep on getting people the answers that they want about, you know, why did you choose this ingredient or What's the, you know, why is the calcium level like this in the product or where do you make this? Um, where do you get the oats from? Like we, we will go deep in a personal way, not ever using, you know, there's incredible advances through technology and AI and things like that. But honestly, like this is a part where we can't ever lose that one-to-one -one connection. And I think it shows. And the number of times that we've been able to take, you know, a relatively minor question or a complaint and turn it into a relationship with someone just by being a real person on the other end. Um, I think you're right that at times people, when you get frustrated, you kind of, I mean, the internet's great for shouting into the void. Um, but it's really hard to do that in a, you know, you, the angry, the anger can dissipate a lot when there's a real human on the other end that's trying to like understands that you're upset and trying to answer the question. So we invest a lot of time, resources, people into creating, like creating a forum for that interpersonal connection um, that people that actually, you know, transcends that moment. And we, we create long, ongoing uh, dialogues with people from it. So that I think I've really been a part of a company that took that really, really intensely personal approach. Um, but it's it's critical for us. Got a favorite story or two that has resulted from that? I mean, from being like incredibly human in that way? Yeah. So two years ago in the summer of 2018, um, you know, the previous summer we had launched uh, direct to consumer sales through Oatly.com. Um, I'm sure another rocket ship, by the way. It, it is. And honestly, we didn't think anyone like we were like, who has even heard of oat milk, much let alone is going to want to pay us money to order it through the mail. But those well, people that's the thing. It's like how many people who have not even heard of this until 2017 in the U S thought about putting milk through the post and thought, Oh, that's crazy because they just associate yeah. it with like, you know, that stuff that spoils. Like, well, oh let's have God, yeah. people will order. And then 20 became 200. And so in the summer of 2018, like, you know, we were scrambling really hard to make as much product as we can. I mean, that, that will be eventually, um, you know, uh, I guess chiseled on my tombstone of make, make as much oat milk as you possibly can, um, will be on my, in, in my epitaph. So I'm going to hold you to that, Mike. <laughs> so we, uh, you know, we had gotten to a place where we had had a lot of orders through our e-commerce platform and we looked at our supply and we just didn't have it. So in this case, you have 500, 1,000, 1,500 people. It paid you money. 
And we're like, we don't have this product available because we've used all of it. We're, and we don't know when we're going to get it back. And we thought a lot about like, what should we do with that? And, you know, we could, you know, obviously we have to let them know we refund the money. We, we decided that, and, and we kind of have a mindset of like, and it starts with our creative team of what seems like uh, it would be very unnecessary or like the most minor thing becomes very necessary. And we're like, what would an e-commerce company never do after they let down people? And they're like, well, they definitely wouldn't write handwritten apology notes from like us individually and include our own names and our own email or cell phones in it to apologize that we screwed up their order and that we're trying to get better and we don't really have a good excuse. So that's what we did. And we wrote more than a thousand, I want to say it was like 1,300, 1,400 uh, individual handwritten apology notes for telling people we screwed up their oat milk order and we're going to try to get better and we appreciate their, 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 their business and their patience. And we include like, we included stickers. We included our, I included all my business card in the hundred, 200 I wrote. Um, and we got people responding back. Like it became like actually like a pen pal relationship in a couple of places where people are like, wow, like I didn't expect, I didn't expect that. I definitely didn't expect a, a, a handwritten note from a person. Right. Um, and uh, like, yeah, like we get it. Like we love your product. We understand that you're, you're growing and scaling, like get it to us when you can. And we're like, thank you. Here's a, you know, here's a discount code or whatever. And, but we didn't want to start with the obvious answer of like what we would expect everybody else did. Like, we're like, if I was a human, I mean, as a human, like if, if a friend let me down, like, and they just sent me like a chain notification or like a mass text message about it, I would feel like they're kind of a crappy friend. And not that these people view Oatly as their friend because we're just a company, um, but like we did let them down and we're, we're humans just like they are. And so what would we want if it were us, if, if, if somebody let us down like that? So like, let's try to do that. And so that was the mentality we approached it with. And there's been numerous other examples of our community management team, just like going above and beyond calling people directly and giving, you know, being able to be a kind of a trusted resource on stuff. And we, we think that people should be skeptical of brands, but I think when you introduce more of a human touch and human element to it, you can really defy some of those expectations in a really powerful way. Yeah. And you need, and you need to these days that will only increase that sentiment over time. At least this person believes on this side of the mm-hmm. microphone. I want to get some, and clearly you know how to, how to, how to bridge this so far. You've had the, the crazy environment of 2020 and this massive growth, and yet you have remained human in the way that you connect. And I'm sure many, many examples since the summer of 2018 to illustrate that. I want to round this out. Uh, and, and you know, as, as we launch this show, uh, listeners, just uh, thank you for tuning in here. We're going to try and round out these conversations with a couple of different questions. And here's one that just uh, gets to the top of my head based on what we've talked about today. Um, it might be based on a little personal belief, but that's okay. It's my show. So, Mike, I want to take this skepticism to another level for a moment. And I want to position uh, a hypothetical future, which I don't know that we'll ever get to, but a hypothetical future in which I, your average Joe, your average Adam, so to speak, never hears from a brand again. It's a radical idea, and it does not mean that brands don't exist, but it means that if I'm hearing something uh, to which a brand is attached in, in, in media from a recommendation from somebody, 
It better be a story from a real person. It better be something where somebody was impacted in a great way or just impacted, but it better have a person behind it, not necessarily a brand. Now, you've taken this to heart and you found a way to bridge the gap recently, but there are so many people out there who have yet to do it, either because they haven't needed to for their business or because they're just not sure how to start. So I want to ask for some advice, and the advice is, how would you, as a brand leader who's listening to this show, help bridge the gap to brand humanity? That feels like a like a multi day workshop from some incredible brand consultant. Um, Maybe we'll put one together. Well, you know what? If I ever put one together as a result of this show, you're going to be on. You're going to be in the cast. (laughs) It's one of the hardest parts. I mean, you know, we uh, and and I don't know that I have like the answer for it. Obviously, I mean, there's way smarter than people than me. um, You know, that that think about this stuff all the time. You know, I I think that there's two observations. I have is one, I I think that, um, you know, it's easy and comfortable for us in business a lot of times to, to, um, you know, get into the details of our margins and our, you know, pricing and our product offerings and, and not really take the step of, of creating a personal interaction with how the brand goes to market. And that could be everything from your consumer relations with the level of transparency that you have there, like we talked about before. But it could also be in your go-to-market strategy of like, you know, people don't like being sold to. I don't like being sold to. But if you're trying to create a solution for people and you can explain that in a personal, personally authentic way that transcends, you know, a, a, a traditional go-to-market strategy, I think that that um, people respond to how you're trying to help more than you're trying to sell them something. Um, you know, we have a mentality of, uh, you know, especially with some of our, in our commercial realm, like, you know, we're not trying to sell people that feels super dirty. We're trying to give them a great offering that we think helps the planet and from an environmental and and climate change standpoint. And we think that people can understand what that product is and they try it, they're going to love it. And we're going to add something to people's lives, but it's not about necessarily selling them on it. And I think that you know, a lot, it, it's very uncomfortable at times in these business journeys to put yourself out there as a founder, as a business leader in a way that is front and center in that on a personal level, because you like to, it's easier to hide behind the shield of the company a lot of times. Um, but I think that in order to provide that next level value or that connection that you're alluding to, Adam, then you need to find ways through the way you talk to your consumers, the way that you talk to your customers, um, to really get make it make it more personal and less um, uh, about this kind of brand shield uh, that you know of an amalgamation of of you know personas and consumers. Like it's it's more it's more than that. Yep. It is. You're speaking my language, and and I and I'm so glad to have. I think that question worked out great. I think I might continue with that. Um, but uh, I really, I really appreciate that. That'd be the guinea pig. I love it. Yeah. And hey, if we ever do a multi-day, listeners, if you want to be part of it, no, um, it, you'll you'll be part of that uh, that summit at some point. Maybe sometime down the road, if uh, people people take your lead, maybe we'll get there. So, um, hey, real quick, last question, a little more casual than that very loaded advice question I just asked. But I got a cop to this, Mike. I've never tried. Oatly, and I want to know the best way to try it. And listeners, by the way, Oatly.com, where you can find all this. And now you're going to hear from Mike what his favorite way is to do it, and you'll find yours as well. But, but Mike, what, what should I do? Because I'm, I'm a newbie here. 
Yeah, I mean, I thank you for that. Incredibly, it's. I feel like this is like my uh, my my t ball in front of me, right? Ready, right, you know. Yeah, here's a meatball for you. Knock it out of the park for yeah, me. Yeah, I love it. Um, yeah, look, I, I think you know we can deliver. It, it's 2020. You know, you can get product delivered to your door by Oatly, going to Oatly.com. I would say more importantly, right now, if you have a local coffee shop that you love, um, you can go to our website and check out our Oat Finder, which shows you all the shops that are carrying our product. Go the I'd say like for me the way I discovered this product, the way that I hear from so many friends, um, and just equates the people that discovered oat milk and had never heard of it before is a well prepared um, you know latte cappuccino matcha tea from your local uh, neighborhood coffee shop. Um, you know ask your barista about you know oat milk. We have an oat finder on our website that shows all the coffee shops carrying our product. That's a great way to discover it. If you go into your local retail grocery store, um, you know, not only do we have the oat milks, um, but we also have some incredible frozen products. And we just launched our oat girts, um, which I'm really excited about. So now that is a br- that word's not real. Oat girts. It is oat girts. <laughs> All right. I, that's I, you know what I bought. I get it. I totally get it. Right? We spoke it into existence. You got to put it on the dig- get it, get it on the dictionary there. Oat, oh, oat girt, everybody. Oat yeah, is doing it. All those places, like for me, number one would be like ex- experiencing this product through a, through a latte or, or tea drink or um, at your local coffee shop is the best way to experience it. And then from there, you go buy some and bring it home, keep it in the fridge, and, and enjoy it. Well, from your dining room table to the dining room table of those enjoying your product uh, to the coffee table, uh, as it were. Uh, I really appreciate you chatting here with me. Um, teach me about what this is. Uh, and uh, tomorrow morning, I will uh, do my best if I can get out to the store tonight. Just go see where I can find it. I'll use that oat finder. But uh, thanks thanks for having this sort of real conversation here with me because um, it seems like you're doing the, the the right things. And obviously, the brand is uh, is seeing the growth as a result. And, you know, good luck to you going forward, everything here. But thanks for telling your story here today. My pleasure, Adam. Thanks so much for having me. Something else I ended up finding this stuff to be good in, overnight oats. It makes sense if you think about it, but there's another recommendation for you. Thanks, Mike, and thanks to you, the listener, for tuning in to today's Authentic Avenue. Be sure to subscribe and review me on your podcast apps, and I also live on the internet elsewhere. Twitter, at Authentic Av, LinkedIn, Authentic Avenue, Instagram, Authentic Av Media, and you can also write me directly, Adam at AuthenticAvenueMedia.com. Say hi, tell me who I should have on the show next, or just tell me what you think of the show. This has been your host, Adam Connor, saying until I get real again with you, thanks for taking a walk with me down Authentic Avenue.